There is objective truth, and the one called Jesus Christ always tells us that there is objective truth. We may not like it, but it's true. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. My name is Rod Him, And I'm Janice. And this is Bible Discovery TV as we go through the Bible from Genesis 1 to Revelation 22. And today we land, of course, in Luke. We'll be talking about Luke chapter 22 in about five minutes. But Ryan is here to tell us about what's going on in about 20 minutes, Ryan. All right. Well, you know, there are a lot of prophecies in the Old Testament regarding the Messiah, but it might surprise you to know that at least two of these prophecies pinpoint when he was going to step into history. Very interesting. Very interesting. And now, Janice, what are you doing? Today, I want to talk about be ready every day. All right, that's coming up in about 23 minutes. So thank you for joining us. Get your Bible guide out and get the most incredibly popular book of all called the Bible. And let's open it up and listen to what God is saying to us right now. Luke 22, verses 31 through 46. And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, indeed Satan has asked for you that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith should not fail. And when you have returned to me, strengthen your brethren. But he said to him, Lord, I am ready to go with you both to prison and to death. Then he said, I tell you, Peter, the rooster shall not crow this day before you will deny three times that you know me. And he said to them, When I sent you without money bag, knapsack, and sandals, did you lack anything? So they said, Nothing. Then he said to them, But now, he who has a money bag, let him take it, and likewise a knapsack. And he who has no sword, let him sell his garment and buy one. For I say to you that this which is written must still be accomplished in me. And he was numbered with the transgressors. For the things concerning me have an end. So they said, Lord, look, here are two swords. And he said to them, It is enough. Coming out, he went to the Mount of Olives as he was accustomed, and his disciples also followed him. When he came to the place, he said to them, Pray that you may not enter into temptation. And he was withdrawn from them about a stone's throw, and he knelt down and prayed, saying, Father, if it is your will, take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not my will but yours be done. Then an angel appeared to him from heaven, strengthening him. And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly. Then his sweat became like great drops of blood falling down to the ground. When he rose up from prayer and had come to his disciples, he found them sleeping from sorrow. Then he said to them, Why do you sleep? Rise and pray lest you enter into temptation. Luke chapter 22, verses 31 through 46. Luke chapter 22, chapter 23, and chapter 24. You know, the days of Jesus Christ physically being on earth 
and ministering seems like ages ago. While 2,000 years is a lot of time to us, it's not to the Lord. Now, the Apostle Peter says that with the Lord, one day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years like one day. That's 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 8. Peter is not assembling a mathematical formula to be used in calculating the days of the Lord's time, but he's saying that time does not have the same effect on God who is outside of its influence. The Lord is setting up his perfect will to be done. While the words of Peter seem loyal, the truth is that Peter represents us, and we are loyal to our intention to serve God. Yet when it comes to actually serving, too often we cower. And the Holy Spirit is the one who does the work and the will of the Lord in us and for us when we make Jesus Christ our Lord of our life. And we follow him with our entire whole heart. That, that's important. Do you follow the Lord Jesus Christ with your entire heart, with entire mind, with your entire soul? That's a really good question because a lot of people ask that. But the truth is the Bible says that that's how you follow Jesus Christ. Now take your Bible guide and turn today with me to the passage that we study as we look at a new beginning. Luke chapter 22, verses 31 to 46. And as we listen to what the Lord says, think about how God is speaking to you today. Now, if you take your Bible guide, if you don't have a Bible guide, you can call us or write to us uh, or go to BibleDiscoveryTV.com where you can get a hold of it in seconds. I tell you, just seconds. Uh, it'll take you to a page. Thank you for your donations. And may I say that the donations have tremendously helped us to stay alive. That's how we stay alive here. And so thank you so much for your donations. But let's pray today and ask the Lord to speak to us. Father, I ask in the name of Jesus Christ that you would speak to us and help us to hear you. So many times in today's world, we don't hear you. So help us, Father, to listen to your word and Holy Spirit, ignite our hearts to understand what you're saying, because that's the most important thing. Thank you, Lord, in the name of Jesus Christ. And we said together, amen and amen. Let's look at the scripture and let's understand what the Holy Spirit is saying. May God help us today. Luke chapter 22, beginning with verse 31. It says, and the Lord said, Simon, Simon, indeed, Satan has asked for you that he may sift you as wheat. That's verse 31. Now look at 32. But I have prayed for you that your faith should not fail. And when you have returned to me, strengthen your brethren. But he said to him, Lord, I am ready to go with you both in prison and to death. And then he said, I tell you, Peter, the rooster shall not crow on this day before you will deny three times that you know me. That is stunning. Jesus always tells us the truth. We are nothing in the work of the Lord, yet Jesus gave his life for us so that we could live forever with him. I, you know, it's really important to hear this, that 
Many people today talk about just build them up, build them up, build them up. Build them. I'm great, I'm great, I'm great, I'm great. Uh, let me tell you something. I'm not great. I'm a weak human. The Holy Spirit has come into my life because Jesus Christ became Lord of my life. And the Holy Spirit is unbelievably awesome. Absolutely true. And that's the way it works when we are Christians, when we believe in the Lord. It is the Holy Spirit that uses our personalities and our, our traits in this world and modulates us for his work, beloved. That is awesome. Let's go on and learn more in scripture. Luke twenty two thirty five, 35, and he said to them, when I sent you without money bag, knapsack and sandals, did you lack anything? So they said nothing. And then he said to them, but now he who has money, a money bag, let him take it. And likewise, a knapsack and he who has no sword, let him sell his garment and buy one. For I say to you that this which is written must still be accomplished in me. And he was numbered with the transgressors for the things concerning me have an end. So they said, Lord, look here are two swords. And he said to them, it is enough because they didn't really understand what was happening. Jesus tells of what is about to happen as he predicted or as predicted in Isaiah chapter 53, verse 12. Serving the Lord is not popular or vogue in this world now. Soon the Lord will come that will change. He will come and that will change. Interesting. The world will change. Things will shift around when he comes. But until he comes, it is not popular to serve Jesus Christ. It's not popular for me to say, well, I, I can't do it. It's popular for me to say, yes, I can do it right now. I'm going to do it. I'm going to be great. I'm going to. That's popular. But let me tell you what's not popular. Saying I'm human. I have sinned. S-I-N. Sin is a real thing. And all of us under that bondage of sin, beloved. We need to realize that. And that's what Jesus Christ was saying here. Now. Let's go back to the scripture because it's even better. Luke chapter 22, let's begin with verse 39. It says, coming out, he went to the Mount of Olives as he was accustomed and his disciples also followed him. When he came to the place, he said to them, pray that you may not enter into temptation. And he was withdrawn from them about a stone's throw away. And he knelt down and he prayed, saying, Father, if it is your will, take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Then an angel appeared to him from heaven, strengthening him. And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly. And then his sweat became like great drops of blood falling down to the ground. And when he had rose up from prayer and had come to his disciples, he found them sleeping from sorrow. And then he said to them, why do you sleep? Rise and pray, lest you enter into temptation. Rise and pray, lest you enter into temptation. Beloved, Jesus reminds us that we must always pray and not give in to temptation. We must give our lives to the Lord every single day. Let me tell you something. The armor of the Lord doesn't stop. 
In Ephesians, it goes further in Ephesians 6, and it says at the end, praying always in the Spirit. We must remember to pray. It's not just studying the Bible. We have to seek God's mind, help him to understand with us and help us to understand what he said. Very, very important. If we do not, we could get it wrong. Beloved, we must stay clear on this. Give your heart to Jesus Christ and pray before you read his word. This character of King Saul, this historical figure. Now, I think it's probably fair to say that most of us, when we think of King Saul, we think of the bad guy foil to King David. But an entire book of the Bible is also dedicated to mostly his reign. Of course, that's 1 Samuel. So I'm really excited to jump into it today and see what we can learn about Saul. Welcome back to the program. My segment today documents two specific messianic prophecies in the Old Testament. Now, there are many, many prophecies in the Bible describing and predicting what the Messiah's life and mission would look like. But these two we're going to talk about today actually pinpoint a specific time in history that the Messiah had to come. It's a longer segment today, so let's get to it and we'll talk about it after. While there are hundreds of prophecies in the Bible describing the Messiah's life and mission, there are at least two that predict when he would arrive. The most well-known about of these prophecies is the so-called 70 weeks prophecy in Daniel 9. This was given to Daniel by the angel Gabriel at a time when Jerusalem and its temple was in ruins and the Israelites were exiles in Babylon. One of the things that makes this passage so important is that it gives a time frame that has clear beginning and ending points. According to verses 25 and 26, the Messiah will come sometime after a decree is issued to rebuild Jerusalem. When he does arrive, he will be cut off and have nothing. And this will happen sometime before the rebuilt Jerusalem and temple are destroyed for a second time. This limits the time frame for the Messiah's arrival between 444 BC, when Artaxerxes gave this decree, and 70 AD, when Jerusalem and the temple were destroyed once again. But what's so stunning about this prophecy is that it seems to narrow this window of time down even more, even down to a specific day, which just so happened to be the moment in history when Jesus of Nazareth made his triumphal entry into Jerusalem. While not all accept this interpretation, at the very least, Daniel provides us a time frame with a clear beginning, 444 BC, and end, AD 70. Yet it seems that another biblical passage reduces this 500-year window of time even further. Genesis 49.10 declares that the scepter will not pass from Judah, nor the ruler's staff from between his feet, until Shiloh comes. According to several rabbis and scholars, Shiloh is a clear reference to the Messiah, but can also be translated as the one to whom it belongs. And the scepter refers to Judah's tribal identity and judicial authority. And judicial authority is the right to administer and enforce Torah law upon Jews living in Judah, including the right to judge capital cases and apply capital punishment. Based upon this understanding, Genesis 49.10 can be paraphrased this way. Tribal identity and judicial authority will not cease from Judah until the Messiah, the one to whom these legitimately belong, comes. 
History seems to indicate that Judah lost this authority sometime between 6 BC and AD 30. Significantly, according to the rabbis of the Talmud, they lost it in AD 30, the exact time Jesus' ministry began. And, as with Daniel's prophecy, since the temple along with the genealogical records were destroyed in AD 70, this was the absolute latest that the Messiah could come. So, Genesis 49.10 would appear to limit the Messiah's arrival between AD 30 and 70. A rabbi named Rachman confirmed this as he lamented, Woe unto us, for the scepter has departed from Judah, and the Messiah has not come. Of course, the Messiah, Yeshua, Jesus, did come, but his people rejected him and cut him off, just as Daniel had predicted. Nevertheless, the day is coming when they will see the one whom they pierced and recognize him as their Messiah. So a lot of us know about Daniel's 70 weeks prophecy in Daniel 9, but Genesis chapter 49 verse 10 also seems to narrow down the window of time in which the Messiah had to come, which was at the maximum between 6 BC and AD 70, since that's around the time that the scepter departed from Judah. But as I said in this segment, based on the Talmud, this window is even smaller, uh, from AD 30 to 70. And AD 30, of course, is a very interesting date because this was right around the time that Jesus began his earthly ministry. So Genesis 49.10, Daniel 9, and the Talmud all point to a clear time in history when the Messiah had to arrive. And he certainly did arrive. Jesus came exactly when he was supposed to and will come again exactly when he's supposed to. Yeah, that's very interesting. And uh, we have to understand that in the New Testament, the disciples they had the Bible, the Hebrew Bible with them, which of course was the writings of the 12 and the rest of it and the Talmud and all of that stuff. So the Torah was there. And so that was very interesting. Very mm -hmm. good, Ryan. Janice? Well, I titled my segment today, Be Ready Every Day. As we take a look at Luke chapter 22, um, Jesus had predicted Peter's denial of him because you'll remember that Peter was just very convincing that he would go to prison, even to death with Jesus. And Jesus predicted that trouble would come and that he would in fact deny him. But then right away after that, Jesus talks to his disciples about being ready with their supplies for the road. And uh, you can read that if you haven't already, starting at verse 35. I don't want to take the time today to read it. But what that reminded me of is that when we follow Jesus, uh, troubles and trials will come, but we are taught as we follow Christ to be prepared for those times. And that a big part of that is having God's word in our hearts and not just having it in our hearts, but so that it's so much overflowing that it affects how we act and react in everyday lives. Paul reminds us in Ephesians 6 about the armor of God. That's something from a spiritual perspective, but if you can just grasp that as something like putting your clothes on every day, it's so vitally important. Here's a reminder of what they are. With the truth, like a belt around your waist, with righteousness, like a breastplate of armor on your chest. These are the things as a follower of Christ, we're supposed to put on every day. Have our feet sandaled with the readiness of the gospel of peace so that everywhere we go, we're taking the gospel message and the Prince of Peace 
with us. In every situation, Paul reminds us, take up the shield of faith because with it, you will be able to extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one or the devil or Satan, as we like to call him. Also put on the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God doesn't end there. It says, pray at all times in the spirit with it, with every prayer and request and stay alert in this with all perseverance and intercession for all the saints. So knowing God's word, placing it in our hearts, following through in our actions of our everyday lives is absolutely paramount. We're here, Rod, on this earth as ambassadors for Christ. And we can't be ambassadors for Christ unless we're following him. And unless we have his word, Holy Spirit living inside of us, we're not going to be perfect people. That's for sure. But with the strength of God and following after him, putting these things on every day in our lives, then we can be prepared. I think it's important, and, and you mentioned it, and I'm glad you did because Ephesians 6, a lot of people forget that the armor of God also includes prayer. Yes. And we need to keep that in mind. Well, uh, I, I have to introduce somebody. I'm very excited today because he's in Israel and he's with us. And Jim Canalon, just a quick explanation. We do his program here. It's called Jim Canalon Today. It's excellent. Ryan produces it. But Ryan is also involved in producing another program called This Is Israel. And the concept came from this man who you're going to meet now, Jess Canalon, who's Jim Canalon's son. <laughs> Jess Canalon, welcome to Clicks or welcome to Bible Discovery. How are you doing, Jess? Oh, I'm doing wonderfully. It's so great to be here and be with you all. And uh, I'm, I'm sitting here in a kibbutz just south of the Sea of Galilee, about a five-minute drive south of, of, the, of the Sea of Galilee. Uh, it's nighttime, uh, but uh, it's wonderful to be here. And, uh, you know, we're just, uh, just so grateful to you that you are um, working with us and helping us uh, spread, spread the word about Israel and what's going on there and opening up the scriptures in a, in a way that's uh, practical, maybe a different approach than we're used to doing. Yeah, it's, you know, it's important to remember that this program, I'm very excited about, Ryan, and, and you produce it. You've been working very hard. Uh, and this is, of course, October the 17th. But on this day, uh, if stations are interested in this program, we have it available. And uh, it is important because Israel is such a critical time, a critical time in a critical nation right now, Jess. Tell us about what's going on over there now. We'll, then we'll talk about you uh, in a bit. But we've got about four minutes. What's what's going on right now in Israel as you are there? Because the world is a mess and we're trying to figure it out and Israel's <laughs> doing a lot of stuff. But what's going on? Well, yeah, I mean, <laughs> what's not going on? That's that's more of the question. Uh, you know, Israel is um, about eight million people surrounded by uh, 260 million people who aren't necessarily their best friends. And so it's a it's a they're, it's a tense nation. Uh, it's where East meets West. It's uh, it's a strategic place. You know, historically, it's been strategic. Uh, it's where, you know, trade always goes through goes through Israel. Um, and so, you know, they've had, uh, you know, they're a young democracy. So they've had, um, you know, several elections in the last uh, several years. And, uh, you know, that's that's why they keep on going back to the polls, because there's about 20 different parties. And uh, and it makes it difficult, really, to uh, to pick a leader and have a leader so, uh, you know, they've been going through it in terms of um, you know, in terms of their elections, in terms of uh, enemies at the border. Uh, and, you know, it's a it's a place that's constantly on edge and uh, and very strategic. I, you know, I believe that uh, God picked this this land uh, for a reason. And um, 
Yeah, it's 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 no surprise that the the world focuses in right here uh, on Israel. You know, it's important because you talk about a kibbutz. What is a kibbutz? <laughs> yeah, I, I was just talking with my wife the other day, saying there's there, there's no such thing as a independent farmer in Israel. Uh, if there's a farm, if there's land being farmed, it's farmed by a collective uh, known as a kibbutz. In you know what, as Israel is being formed into um, into the nation that it is today, uh, they have these groups of they're called the kibbutzim uh, of of people who who govern themselves in a more socialist way, uh, little communes, and uh, and they farm the land. And, and in fact, it was really it was vital to the early stages of its uh, redevelopment. And um, and so since then, you know, they've become less less socialist, but uh, they still live together, and um, and they you know they they farm the land, they raise wild stock, uh, livestock, livestock. Sorry, uh, they uh, they specialize in high tech, and um, they were a big part in terms of settling uh, the land. In fact, in the early eighties, my um, my parents. Uh, when they came to Israel first, it was to do a program with the kibbutzes uh, to uh, to bring uh, North Americans over to uh, to Israel to physically uh, invest in the land. And um, it was the the program was called Kibbutz Shalom. The government loved it so much, said you must live in Israel to do it. And when you come, we want you to start a church. Yeah, and that's amazing. And uh, you, of course, your parents are Jim and Kathy Cantillon, and they're excellent. And right now, when we're taping, they're actually in Africa. Uh, doing some other things, but uh, we had your your uh, father on not too long ago, and we'll probably have him on again. But uh, it's very interesting, and on the next program, we'll talk about this. We'll talk about your your wife because your marriage is amazing, and your kids, and uh, all your children, and uh, it's going to be good because they're involved in something that involves Israel and all the rest of it. Uh, very very interesting. By the way, you have thirty seconds or less, but where do you live? <laughs> and, you know, where do I live? That's a good question. I, I live between uh, Canada and Israel. At least that's the that's the plan. I live uh, in Quebec, just north of Montreal. And, uh, you know, we we love it there. We love the, the European flavor and uh, and and just the it's a unique province, a unique province with a unique vision. And, uh, you know, but our heart is is in Israel. So we have this um, almost a dual a dual identity. And uh, it's 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 not a bad thing. I mean, we're not the first to have a, uh, a foot in both worlds. All right. So on the next program, we'll talk more about that right now. Let's get back to it. You've just watched the prayers that we put on the program, uh, uh, people who've written to us, and these are important prayers. And we need to pray today, all of us together, and say, Lord, help me to listen to you. Help me to learn from your Holy Spirit. Not just my own mind, but I need your Holy Spirit to be active in me, Lord, and you're the one who can do that. So I give my life to you. Help me today. 